Good morning and welcome to Tuesday. It is the 7th of September. I'm Zara and I'm joined by Sam Kozlowski, co-founder of The Daily Oz, to take you through the day's news. Just a heads up before we start today, we're going to start rattling off the COVID numbers before we begin the day's stories. There won't be a story in and of themselves anymore. It'll just be a quick check off as to what's happening in each lockdown state. So on that note, yesterday in Victoria, there were 246 cases. In New South Wales, there were 1,281 cases. And in the ACT, there were 11 cases. Yesterday, Victorian Minister for Housing Richard Wynne announced a new rental relief program for Victorian residents who have lost income during lockdowns and are struggling to pay rent. Ultimately, it means that eligible renters will have a one-off payment of up to $1,500 supplied directly to their landlord to cover their rent. For our Victorians, to find out if you're eligible for this program, head over to our Instagram and look at our Instagram stories. There's a swipe up link in there for you. We are now on day two of the National Women's Safety Summit, which began virtually on Monday morning. If you're not across what the summit is, it was announced earlier this year after former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins alleged she had been raped inside Parliament House. The purpose of the summit is to bring together advocates, experts, survivors and other stakeholders to help inform what's called the National Plan, and that's to reduce violence against women and children. Yesterday, the Prime Minister gave an opening address, and it's anticipated that today will bring together much more of that National Plan. Soldiers in Guinea, which is a country in Western Africa, have claimed to ousted long-serving President Alpha Condi. The army unit's head, Mamadi Dumbuya, said we have dissolved government and institutions. Dumbuya's cited poverty and endemic corruption as the driving force for removing Condi from office. Condi's whereabouts remain unclear, but on Sunday, an unauthenticated video was posted by Reuters, depicting Condi in a room surrounded by army special forces. Today's good news is that yesterday, three-year-old Anthony AJ Elfalak, who had been missing since Friday, was found safely. AJ, who has autism and is non-verbal, had last been seen at midday on Friday by his brother at the family's rural property in Putty, New South Wales, but authorities gave the good news at around midday yesterday. For today's deep dive, we are chatting to someone who has had the unenviable job of reporting every day of Victoria's long-winded COVID journey over the last 18 months. Jackie Felgate has become something of an influencer on Instagram because she provides such easily accessible COVID updates at all hours of the day. I had a chat with Jackie yesterday about how Victorians should look ahead and how reporting about COVID will be changing in the immediate future. Here's yesterday's chat with Jackie. So we are recording this on the day that Victoria has recorded 246 new cases, which is obviously not the news any Victorian wants to be hearing. Jackie, you've been covering this for a very long time now. What do you think Victorians need to be focusing on, focusing their attention on? It can be a bit debilitating, can't it? Uh, I think it's exhausting for everyone. But do you know what? I think we need to almost move away from the daily case numbers. I think Sydney's very much done that. But I guess with Victoria, having been in lockdown so many times, the daily case numbers are almost like a morning ritual. Everybody, no matter who you are, you look them up and your mood of the day can sometimes Mm -hmm. be or how the numbers are going. So when you get the numbers today, which are obviously really disappointing, it can really make you feel just flat. And also, you know, what have we done wrong? We haven't actually done anything wrong, but you think, you know, what has gone wrong here? 
here. But you've got to look at the vaccination numbers now. And I do really think that one thing that Sydney has done well, New South Wales has done well, is to turn that conversation to there because it certainly makes us all feel a little bit more positive when we feel like we're more in control. And simply by getting a vaccination, then you're promised that there is a path out of this. And I did read something really interesting recently, which was you need to be kinder on yourself, but you also need to be proud, especially if you are a Victorian, and think we actually did do so well last year. We prevented Mm. so many people from sick and so many people from dying. So when everyone feels a little flat, we did a great job even holding it to the level that it is now. I want to pick up on something you said about not paying attention to the daily cases. I saw you put up an Instagram poll and we did a similar thing and I was quite shocked at, for us at least, it was a resounding yes. People still wanted that case number every day and I saw in your poll that it was quite similar. How do you work with the fact that people want to be informed but it might not necessarily be the most helpful thing? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more but you know what I think is helpful? Knowledge is power. And if you know how it affects people's mental health, then yes, for some people living without the numbers, that's the best thing for their mental health. But for a lot of people, having knowledge and understanding what the numbers mean, because when we also do the numbers, we remember some of them are linked, some of them are not linked. And I do remember one particular day in the last wave when the government tweeted out a really big jump in numbers, like they'd gone from something like we had two or three cases and they jumped up to 37 cases and people were beside themselves. They were so upset and then when you looked at it, it turned out that 35 of the 37 or whatever it was were actually in isolation the whole time. So that's a great example of information being power and information actually helping people to get through this, I think. It looks like in Victoria, the strategy has changed recently. The Premier's announced that they're not really going to be getting back to zero anytime soon. So as a news reader or a news consumer, how do you then consume the day's news? What do you do with that information and how should it, I mean, if we're looking for optimism because everyone wants a nice note, what can Victorians be looking ahead to? Victorians can be looking ahead to a Christmas with their families if they get vaccinated. It's a really simple message. It's a message the government keeps on repeating Mm. and is enough to sway a lot of people's minds as well. If you're thinking you don't want a vaccine, when you need a vaccine passport to go to the footy or to go to the cricket or to go to any public place and eventually to travel, I think you'll find that a lot of people that perhaps are anti-vax are somehow not so anti-vax down the track when it means that they can live their life normally. And I think that it's for us as journalists and as news broadcasters, it's really important that we remember to focus on the positives as well because news can be completely overwhelming and exhausted. I know some days I get home and I just feel like, oh, I just can't. I just can't listen to any more of this. I think everyone feels like that. But then if you do look at some of the good things to go, look, the rest of the world has high vaccination rates and they are living with COVID as tough as it is. And obviously it's not the situation we wanted to be in, but it is the situation that we're in. So I think we really need to focus on just getting to that 70%, that 80% vaccination rate. Today in Victoria, it's around 60%. It's not that long to go. It's a couple of weeks. And then you'll see that, you know, we will be able to attend events and we will be able to see our families again. And I think that's a really great goal to have. I think a lot of people, and we see this coming into our comment section, are worried about shifting signposts that we are being told that, you know, we're going to open up at this, at this, and yet there is seemingly different goalposts for different states. I've also seen quite a bit of interstate rivalry and not the healthy kind between New South Wales and Victoria. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's the Western Australian, it's fascinating, isn't it, the Western Australian government and how they're choosing to to run their pandemic. But we also need to imagine if we were in their shoes, what would we do? Absolutely. It's really easy for us to sit here in Melbourne and Sydney and say, let me come to Perth. I want to go to Perth. I want to go to Brisbane. But as a Victorian, we'll remember how when we were in lockdown, the rest of the nation went and lived their lives for a good 12 months. Now that, that New South Wales are in that same situation as well, how tough it actually was. And you can't wish that on anyone. And you can absolutely understand from a political point of view, but also from a community point of view, why many people in WA don't want to open up and they're quite supportive of the Mark McGowan policy. But at the same time, we're one country, you know, the Federation is there for a reason. And unless we decide to go in our separate ways, it's a fascinating political debate, how it's played out and how I guess one of the things I think we've all found surprising is how much power premiers actually have. (laughs) I think before this pandemic, none of us realised that, in fact, the Prime Minister doesn't seem to have as much power as you think, and actually it really does rest with the states. A lot of our audience might not have even known the name of their Premier or Chief Minister prior to this all unfolding. And I do want to just quickly talk about how we're consuming information. Your following has just grown exponentially because people really take to the no bullshit that you are uploading. People just want (laughs) stats. And so what do you think it is? Do you think that this is the way that people will consume information and news specifically moving forward? Have we changed the way journalists communicate now? I think you are absolutely right. And I think the pandemic has actually shown that sometimes we have almost, as I said earlier, information can be overwhelming. And if you can just drill it down to three or four points, which I think your site does really well as well, what are the very key things that people need to know to live their lives? And what is the rest of it that they don't actually need to know? So every day, because the majority of my followers are in Victoria, I stopped posting the New South Wales numbers because I had a lot of people contact me saying, I'm finding this overwhelming, these thousand plus cases a day, I'm getting confused. Do we really need them? And I thought, do I do I need to post those numbers? Are they making it worse for people? And then when I stopped, more people contacted me asking where they were. So, you know, you, you can't win. You, you can't win. But I think in terms of Instagram, I think it's been a bit of a news void. It's really interesting in terms of our traditional media. A lot of young people obviously run their lives through Instagram and love it but perhaps news hasn't been as prominent on that site until this. And people always ask me, oh, why did you start doing it? I host the Daily Dan press conferences, the ones with the the North Face jacket. And to be honest, they sometimes went for two hours and I'd sit there for two hours with nothing to do. So I started asking people if they had a question, if they were at home. And I was just shocked by how many people were actually watching. And from that, I started taking questions about it. And because I was there every day listening to them and writing down and really focusing on it in my job as a newsreader. That's all we talked about. So I felt like I was across it and I was able to answer the questions for people that sometimes found going to the website and going through just this immense amount of data about restrictions. If you could just answer a yes or no for them really quickly, it took a bit of stress out of their day. And I think that's how it then started. And then I just started posting the stats. And again, I think just keeping it simple, it's a great philosophy of journalism. And I think that's a great tool of Instagram is you are able to to just keep it to the basics and give people what they need to know and sometimes it stops them from having to spend hours online looking for something that is actually making them feel a little more stressed than they need to be. And I just want to finish on something because you you speak about the Dan presses with the North Face that <laughs> seems like a million years ago and yet we're still reporting and talking about the same thing. What's it been like for you as a reporter covering this for the last 18 months? I've learned so much. I'm 39 years old, so I don't know if I'm almost out of your demographic or not. (laughs) (laughs) 
like I'm hanging in there I'm hanging there. I'm trying to be cool but yeah I feel like I've learned more than I ever have in my career over the last 18 months because I don't think journalism's ever been more relevant to the community because we report the news you know I've worked at so many different places different tally stations and, and different newspapers and I feel like sometimes we can get caught up in our own hype a little bit like what we think the public is interested in But with the pandemic, obviously, everyone is interested in it because it affects everyone's daily lives. And I felt in many ways we've been more useful than we've ever been because we're able to give people information they really need to know every single day. And I think I've actually found that, I think what I said earlier, like information can be king in a way and you do feel more in control of your situation. And I feel like I've got no excuses. You know, I know where my kids need to be, what they can be doing in terms of the restrictions that are set. And I like having that knowledge and being able to make sure that you're doing the right thing and that that you can help people. It's actually, it's been a wonderful learning experience, but at the same time, I can't wait for it to be over. (laughs) That makes two of us. It is monotonous, but hopefully with, you know, growing vaccination rates, we're on our way out. So all we can say is get vaccinated and then we can all get over this and start going back to our normal lives. Jackie, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure.